This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's spring break season, and across the country, air travel is soaring to pre-pandemic levels, or even beyond. As crowds return to airports, airline executives are asking President Biden to drop the COVID-19 mandates. The current mask requirement is set to expire April 18th. So what might travel look like in the months ahead? Here with some answers is Chicagoan Elaine Glusick. She's the frugal traveler columnist for The New York Times. Welcome back, Elaine. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me back. And transportation expert Joseph Schriederman, director of DePaul University's Chaddock Institute for Metropolitan Development. Good to have you back, Professor. Great to be here. Elaine, let's start with you. From your vantage point, does it look like air travel has fully recovered? Well, pretty close. Um, Certainly leisure travel has recovered. Um, What we're seeing is the numbers are down maybe 8, 9, 10%, which is mostly attributed to the the continued slowdown of business travel. But leisure travelers are back. They're flying. If if anyone out there has taken a a spring break and flown, they know that O'Hare is super busy. Um, I just flew back Saturday night on a red eye from San Francisco, and it was loaded with families coming back from Hawaii. Ah, yes. So lots of... Crowds at the airports, mostly spring break. Yeah, so far. Yeah, so and far. it's still looking to hold for the summer. Yeah, it's, it's still looking good for the summer. There are some, you know, headwinds like in the prices of, of oil that's affecting the prices of flights. But people um, seem to be eager to go. The CEOs of Delta, American, United, Southwest and some other airlines, they recently sent a joint letter to the president and saying that it's, quote, past time to eliminate COVID-era transportation policies. Professor, do you think it's time to lift the mask mandate on airplanes and at airports? You know, this was a hard one to predict. And I, I know, uh, you know, President Biden just extended the mass transit mandate for 30 days uh, to mid-April. So things are going to come to a head in a few weeks. My general sense is there'll be more of a, a phase uh, elimination of the mask requirement. You know, the new variant out there, it's not raising havoc on travel. But that's coming up really quick mid-April. And, and my sense is that the uh, political dynamics are to extend it a bit. Uh, but I do think by summer the mandate uh, will be gone. Yeah. Okay, so you think that even though this expires right now, April 18th, the mask mandate, which is just two weeks away, you think the federal government will renew it, just given what else is going on? That's my general sense, too, yeah. And we're still watching uh, some of the trends. and They're not you know, terribly scary right now, but there does seem to be no apparent negative effect on mask wearing on airline demand. So I think uh, uh, the downside of extending it isn't that great. But, boy, there's, uh, there's going to be some pushback, believe me. Yeah. Well, airline CEOs, they also want the COVID testing requirement for passengers that are, entering, that are entering the U.S., they want for that to be dropped. Is that a good idea? Well, I can tell you it's scaring off a lot of trans-European trips. And, you know, study abroad classes have had stories of people stuck over there for 
four or five days. Uh, and uh, I do think, though, that the requirements have been simplified to the point now where right now you essentially have to you know, fill out a CDC form and get a negative test the day before you come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no such requirement for arriving into Europe, so there's a bit of imbalance. My sense, too, that's going to continue for a little while longer just because this is all happening so fast. I mean, the rates came down dramatically, but we're still kind of in the early phases of, of post-pandemic life here. Yeah, we're rushing, rushing. Elaine, the retiring CEO of American Airlines, said that uh, in early March, the airline industry hit a one-day record high for flights booked. Do you think that ending the mask mandate will get even more people flying and, and maybe lead to even more record-breaking bookings? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think the people that want to fly are already out there. As Joe said, I don't think that the mask mandate has necessarily kept people away. And I think that the administration is being cautious with the BA2 variant, you know, not knowing what's going to happen there. You know, right now, planes are going out at 90% or more capacity, which is really high. So you're not going to find that extra seat next to you. So if you have the the lap child, I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) You're going to need to keep it. Um, So it's really hard to see that. I would just say one thing about the masking, um, you know, the the HEPA filters are really effective. And a lot of doctors are behind this 99.97% you know, percent effective for HEPA filters. But you have to make sure that the engines are on. My concern when I travel is that they're not on when you're, when you first you, when you're embarking and disembarking. Yeah. Right. So it's a good idea to wear them them. them. Yeah, I, that's the one place where I'm not as comfortable right now with the yeah. idea of taking my mask off. It's a little too tight for a little too long for Me my too. comfort. Professor Schwedeman, the, the vast majority of folks who are flying right now as Elaine mentioned, they're traveling domestically. They're going on vacation. Are we ever going to see business air travel return to what it was before the pandemic? You know, it's been fascinating to watch because just two weeks ago, we had evidence of this great recovery in business travel, and it has been encouraging the airlines that we're up to about probably about 65%. You know, it's sort of a, a moving target. Uh, but just this week, a new study came out saying, you know, this recovery business travel is starting to plateau, and it's not showing the same kind of, you know, strength as pleasure travel. And uh, one study came out that said it may settle in at about 35% less than pre-pandemic levels, which is, mm. you know, gulping uh, drop. And that's a new study by a hotel group. So there's a sense that business travel isn't going to uh, completely fill the void. Airlines have already started to adjust for that by moving flights, you know, to north-south Florida destinations and leisure markets. But we aren't seeing the draconian, you know, Zoom is going to wipe out business travel scenarios. It's somewhere in between, but I can say this week there's a little more pessimism uh, that outside of, say, the convention market and uh, combined business pleasure trips, the pure business traveler going on, say, a sales meeting, yeah. that, that, that market uh, remains pretty weak. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be happening. But, but folks are starting to, to uh, bring back those conferences, that's for sure, especially for late this summer. Yeah, they are. And I think uh, there's a kind of pent-up demand. People are excited to be back face-to-face. There's a little bit of awkwardness because you're not sure yet if if you should revert to complete pre-pandemic uh, uh, lifestyles. But I can tell you the conference registrations and trade shows, mm-hmm. especially in Vegas and Orlando, are doing quite good. And that's, uh, that's a surprise. Elaine, do you think this is the summer that we're, we're going to see international leisure travel take a, a rebound? Well, I will say that airlines are certainly hoping so. Um, They 
they are they're betting on this summer being the time when everyone comes back and goes abroad. There's some obviously headwinds now with the war in Ukraine um, that is deterring some travelers. Um, but United itself said it has its largest transatlantic expansion this summer. So, and now you can back to Amman, Jordan, or you know Bergen, Norway, um, on United from the United States. So there's a lot of great. Um, new routes, and they're certainly hoping that um, people are ready to go. And so far, travelers seem to be booking. Where where do they seem to be most eager to go? What are the trends you're seeing? Uh, well, Americans love Europe, and Europe has been you know really off limits for the last two years. I mean, it was a little bit open, but most people did not you know travel internationally last year. So I think there's a lot of pent up demand for Europe, um, and that's where they're putting their planes mostly. I, I want to talk about gas prices. They're at an all-time high, you may have noticed. Uh, So talk about how that's going to impact airline ticket prices. You know, there's always a lag effect, but it's coming. And uh, I felt that the other day looking at uh, some flights to, you know, to New York in July. Really? uh, What were you seeing? Well, it was, you know, 250, 270 each way for uh, kind of a midweek trip and uh hmm. you know I, we got a little spoiled during the pandemic you might say or after the you know the pandemic ease with 99 dollar fares and so forth but this is a big deal you know for airlines it's about you know up to 25 28 percent of their costs and and airlines have partly protected themselves by you know parking the really small planes from the regional jets going to bigger planes but that and the pent-up demand uh, is going to lead to some you know some high fares this summer and that's going to in fact drag the recovery a little bit. Uh, we have seen uh, with the rising fuel prices just real strength in Amtrak and the inner city bus travel, oh, you know, yes. Greyhound, Megabus, Flixbus. So those effects are starting to take hold and uh, projections are high gas prices through summer. So you think the, the, high, the higher ticket fares uh, will reduce demand for air travel? I mean, airlines are going to, uh, uh, for every plane they operate, they're going to try to fill to the max because once you're running the planes, it's you know, better to fill the seat even if you just get sell them at discount prices because most of the costs are fixed for an airplane. But I can say this does put a drag, and Wall Street is nervous. The airlines are really planning by fall to have as many seats out there as they did pre-pandemic. We're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about these kind of fuel prices, and we're not, we're not looking at you know, $60, $70, $80 a barrel, we're at $100 a barrel. That's the kind of thing that just makes, especially these really long-haul trips, you know, transatlantic to Europe, Hawaii, uh, that just makes the economics so difficult. Elena, another sector of the travel industry also got good news this week. Uh, the CDC dropped its COVID health warning for cruise ships after months of telling travelers to avoid cruises. So, do you think that people are ready to get back on board? I do. I think people love cruising and they're really happy to see those restrictions and warnings dropped. Um, and I would also say that as COVID-19 goes, so goes the cruise bookings. And we're also in what's called wave season, which is um, when a lot of discounts and incentives are offered. So with the drop of the warnings and these discounts and perks that the lines are offering, uh, they're saying that their bookings are really strong for um later in the year, um, the the summer exactly. But river cruising is still a question in Europe. I think a lot of people are nervously eyeing um, what's happening in Ukraine. For now, uh, the river cruise operators say they're still going. Um, I've talked to a lot of 
travelers who are are going to stay the course, um, but they're nervous. You know, they don't want to be a part of a problem. You know, if there's a refugee crisis in some of the you know, border um, countries to Ukraine. Yeah. Cruises made a lot of people nervous when when COVID first started back in 2020. I I remember a lot of folks who I knew that would do it almost annually were just were just swearing off of ever almost stepping on a cruise ship again. Uh, So that's that's pretty good to hear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yesterday, uh, Carnival Cruise Line announced uh, that last week was its busiest uh, booking week in, in 50 years. Yeah, they, they, they had a really strong week, and they have almost all of their ships, 22 of 23 ships are sailing now, and I think they're bringing back the last one in May. But masking is optional now for them, and again, oh, they have those incentives, including a flexible cancellation. So it makes it easier for people to book and not worry about losing their money. Interesting. So after two years of uncertainty, Elaine, do you still sense some discomfort and worry as people in general make travel plans? Less and less, I have to say. Um, I've talked to so many people that are just really ready to go. They feel protected. They're vaccinated. Um, they feel like they're living safely, and they feel like the world is reopening to them, and they can go comfortably. And they've had um, two years of not traveling, meaning two years of savings for a lot of people. Yeah. So they're looking. So I've talked to people that they're like, we're hitting our bucket list, and we're hitting it hard because we never know. What if there's another variant and we can't? travel again. Um, let's use this window. People are seeing this summer as possibly that window to to see family again, to do um, multi-generational trips, you know, take the big trip, take take the one that you've been dying to, to, to do, to go to Italy, to go to the Galapagos. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's it's these variants and sub-variants yeah. and just never knowing what is going to come next. What do you think, Professor? Are, are folks still worried? I think that's uh, Elaine said it really well. They're excited to go. The economy's strong. There's pent-up demand. They hear their friends traveling. But I think what they're holding back on are, say, those international trips. They're still, when you're sitting on Expedia looking at that pressing purchase, they still hold back uh, on those kind of trips because there's a little murkiness into what the rules are. Do I need to get a test if I go from one country to the next? So domestically, boy, things are rolling. I mean, I think... uh, the recovery's even been stronger than thus uh, the most optimistic expected. Internationally, I'm, I'm pretty nervous for the airlines right now. You know, the Ukraine crisis hangs over it, but even more so uh, reports of, uh, you know, breakouts in China and so forth of uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the airlines are going to have to roll the dice on how many seats to put out there uh, across the oceans. Any final words of advice, Elaine, for folks listening now contemplating summer travel plans? Um, I think Joe's right. Like if you're if you're booking domestically, you really want to get on that right away. I think it's going to be a very busy summer. Uh, Yellowstone National Park will be celebrating its 150th anniversary. Um, bookings are re- really tight there already. Um, Alaska is expecting a big season. They're going to have the full complement of cruise ships back for the first time in two years. Um, so if you're thinking about it, it's it's time to act. That's Elaine Glusek, frugal traveler columnist for The New York Times, and Joe Schriederman of DePaul University. Thank you so much. That's it for today's Reset Podcast. For more conversations on state and city news and how it affects you, make sure this podcast is in your feed. We drop a new episode every weekday afternoon. But that's all for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.